the horizon is wide and the highway is calling. That means it's time for another episode of American Road Trip Talk. I'm your host, Gary Mance, with a welcome and an invitation to travel the byways and back roads of yesteryear, searching for America in every incomparable mile. Welcome once again, ladies and gentlemen. Always glad to have you along with us, riding shotgun, as it were. And of course, happy once again, as we do almost every week, we get to work with Nathan Miller, our producer. Today, it's newly 2023. Are you ready to buy a car? Are you thinking you want to go for new, maybe a good used car? Maybe you want a lease. All of those things are transactional by their very essence. But how much do you know about what they know about you, or at least what dealers, car salesmen of various stripes assume about the typical, if there is such a thing, the typical car buyer or someone looking to lease? They have a load of information. How much do you know about the negotiation process when you go to select a new automobile? That is our informative topic for today, and I'm going to have an expert with me shortly, Rich Lubin, who is a car industry expert, especially in the sales department. His excellence has been awarded three times that I know of on a national level. He has a lot to share, and we can't wait to hear the good advice that he will impart. This is American Road Trip Talk, and we'll be back right after this. Whether your perfect winter wonderland is on snow-covered Mount Hood or in a cozy, warm boutique winery or craft brewery, Mount Hood Territory is the place for your next winter stay. Hit the ski slopes midweek for fewer crowds and lift lines. Learn a new skill on a guided snowmobiling snowshoe or Nordic ski tour. Fuel up and support local at restaurants along Highway 26, brimming with chill mountain vibes. Warm up from the inside in Mount Hood Territory's craft breweries, cideries, and distilleries. And visit its boutique wineries for an intimate and casual experience during cellar season. Plan your trip at mounthoodterritory.com slash winter. There's room to roam along the scenic byways in southeast Idaho's high country, and it's a great time to get away and decompress. Did you know southeast Idaho is hot springs country? Come and relax in natural mineral water hot pools. Then visit one of their quirky museums like the Idaho Potato Museum, the Museum of Clean, or the Butch Cassidy Museum. Go to IdahoHighCountry.org to plan your trip. You're sure to find your favorite way to disconnect when you visit Idaho. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I want to bring attention to a life-saving product called Alert Drops. Drowsy driving is one of the most catastrophic problems in America, and Alert Drops will stop it. Kids studying in college, drinking too much caffeine, overloading on these energy drinks, they end up in the hospital. Alert Drops will stop it. What is Alert Drops? Alert Drops is a simple spray on the tongue made out of citric acid, sour lemon, and water, co-created with my uncle, Dr. Henry Heimlich, creator of the Heimlich Maneuver, who said, Anson, alert drives will save more lives than the maneuver. Whether you are driving, whether you are studying, whether you're just a tired mom, whenever you need to be alert, get alert drops. A simple spray on the tongue, nothing in your system, and you're naturally awake, naturally alert. It's scientifically proven. It's doctor approved. Again, it's natural. It's been honored by the United States Congress. Go to alertjobs.com. Very important. Go to alertjobs.com and stay safe. Adventure 
History and beauty all await you on the Natchez Parkway, a national scenic byway and national park. This 444-mile drive takes you through some of the country's most stunning landscapes, while also allowing you access to exciting communities along the way. From Natchez, Mississippi to Nashville, Tennessee, we invite you to explore the trace and discover America. Plan your trip at scenictrace.com. That's scenictrace.com. Seattle, Tacoma, Antwerp? That's right. We're streamed worldwide on our app and on the web at 1150kknw.com. Welcome back to American Road Trip Talk. We are happy to introduce for the first time, it happens to be a neighbor of mine, just about two stones throw, I would say. And it turns out he is an auto sales expert and a Mitsubishi, before he retired, a Mitsubishi franchisee. He's got a background that would take up the whole show, but we're going to get down to brass tacks with Rich Lubin. Rich, welcome to American Road Trip Talk. Thank you, Gary. Rich, let's go ahead and get started because uh, we love our street cred there. And if you could briefly just tell our listeners how you got into the car industry and what did you learn? I almost feel like asking, what did you learn, Dorothy, when you went to the Oz of the car sales industry? But take us from the beginning, please. Well, Gary, you know, I started in the car business in the early 70s, and I started out washing cars, to say the least. And uh, I went from washing cars to owning my own dealership. But Back in the 70s, you know, it, it, it was uh, kind of a wild, wild west time in the car business. Uh, not everyone had good reputations, and uh, it just was, uh, like I say, the wild, wild west. Uh, no training whatsoever. I started, once I, once I uh, started to sell cars, I was just like, here's the keys, and this is when you work, and it's sink or swim. So there wasn't much... Uh, <laughs> Uh, there wasn't much training whatsoever, and uh, it was either sink or swim, like I said. And so you built your way up, bootstrapping it. That's wonderful to know, Rich, because it allowed you from the beginning to learn the ins and outs of the car business, which remains a mystery to maybe 99% of the rest of us who just haven't had those sorts of interactions, unless we're selling it privately. But I mean, to work for a dealership to represent a model or various brands, there's a lot of art and science involved, I'm quite sure. So let me ask you this, Rich, if you look at it, and of course we're taking a general view here of necessity, but would you say that, that if there is a typical or an average car buyer, a car customer driving onto the lot, whether we're talking about used cars, new cars, or perhaps even a lease, are people as well-prepared and as knowledgeable, even in the age of the Internet, as they should be when interfacing with people in the car sales profession? Well, it, that's a, that's a, a double, a, a double uh, question there, I think, because back, back in the day, we didn't have the Internet, like you, like you just said, and uh, you know, people weren't informed. Uh, they knew that you could, you know, negotiate and, and get a good, good price. And then when the Internet came and, and shared all this information with, 
with everyone about approximate, you know, what the what the dealer cost was and how much profit a dealer should make, uh, and and that that changed the whole industry, and and also as time evolved, uh, the sales representatives instead of calling them salespeople or or salesman. Uh, was always I, I always hated to be called a salesman because I considered myself a sales representative because I represented the, the manufacturer and I also represented the dealer. But with the information that came out with the with the uh, with the internet, uh, a salesperson had to be more trained and more on top of his product uh, to know be able to answer questions that are uh, truthful. And you have to know what really, you know, ask you what the horsepower of a certain kind of a car was. You want to be able to to answer them uh, pretty darn close because if you didn't, you lost credibility. And I, I think that with 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 today's way way it is in today's world, uh, the sales reps, uh, yes, are very uh, how I want to say uh, versed in all the. Uh, the information, but uh, the and it gets to the price. Uh, it's changed so much, and now just the price is the price. And and I'm, here I am, an older an older guy now. I have a hard time with that. I guess a lot of people would. You know, I can remember. Now I'm going back, Rich, to when I was a kid, and I would go onto the lot watching how my my dad did it. I think he put a few car salesmen into retirement because he was an extremely rational and deliberate man. But when I would hear the word Kelly Blue Book brought up, what I even as a kid, what I sensed was that this was information that was sacred to the dealer, to the salesperson. Right. And we were not allowed access to those granular numbers that would establish the value of a car buying transaction. Now, as you right. and I have already talked about, with the internet, there's there's really no excuse for being ignorant because all of this information, Edmonds is another source, by the way, where you can go Absolutely. and you can find good. out. Yes, and you can go on an app. We won't give them free advertising, but they're out there so that you can get all of the details you would need in order to put a proper valuation on a given car. It seems to me, Rich, like it's about having the time and the gumption to do your homework, to boost your confidence, and to know what your alternatives are before you ever drive onto the lot. Absolutely. And, and, and you can't be afraid to leave. If you go to your local dealer and and you already know you've done your you're done your homework, you know what car you really like to have, and you you got an idea a pretty close. Well, you know exactly what the car is going to list for. You got a pretty close idea what the dealer cost is, and you're thinking, well, how much am I going to have to pay over that, or do I, am I going to have to pay full sticker because it's a new model? And then you, so you you. And you, you sit down with your dealer, and we'll say that you do have a trade-in. And, oh, my gosh, you're going to say, what's my car worth? So then, here again, you do your homework. Get online, check uh, autotrader.com, and go to your Kelly Blue Book and Edmonds and see what that car, what your car is worth. And that, that way it gives you some a good idea of what, what you should get for this trade. And... So when you go and, and and when you proceed on with your with your uh, process with this dealer, 
and then you say, well, what's your best price on the car? And they're going to say, well, Mr. Jones, your price is $21,000, and say, oh, well, the only list for 21006 so you're giving me a $600 discount. Yes, that's all we're doing is a $600. Is that your best price? And you're going to ask them, is that your best price? And they're going to say yes. Say, okay, well, that's one of the, what's one of the things I wanted to gather today. Now I have a trade. They're going to go, oh, you have a trade. What's your trade? So then you go through the whole process of the trade-in, and then you find out what they're going to give you for your trade. So now, now you're actually, now you actually have, have gotten your trade difference, how much you're going to pay sales tax on. And then you can take it from there. But you can, I'm repeating myself, but you can't be afraid to get up and leave. If you're looking at a Chevrolet or plenty of other Chevrolet dealerships around, if there's, if you're looking for the best deal. And, and that's what everybody, you know, you, you feel so much better when you buy a vehicle and you, and you got a good deal and it, it makes, it makes the ownership, it makes the ownership of the car uh, so much better for you. For one thing in a transaction. Oh yes, you did. And you've given me a good segue into the next. There is this phenomenon. It's been around for years called the no dicker sticker. They even got it to yeah. rhyme, but it seems like a lure, perhaps a snare and delusion just by opinion there. But for people who are terrified to negotiate, who would have a very difficult time, as you just referred, getting up, shaking the man's hand or the lady's hand and walking out of the showroom because you can't make the deal. If people have such a distaste for negotiation, they walk in with a severe disadvantage to begin with, don't they? Oh, sure. They'd much rather go have a root canal than to go buy a car. <laughs> and that's terrible. That's just a terrible, terrible feeling. And uh, I, and since I've retired, I've helped so many folks buy a, purchase a vehicle. Just, to, just you know, they call me and say, "Hey, Rich, uh, is this a good deal?" or or should I should I chop around or or should I don't go back and negotiate a little more? What should I do? And I always a lot of good a lot of good friends of mine call me and because I've been in the car business my whole life and so they and I they trust me and and they felt comfortable with the number or the advice that I give them. So so yeah, I, I, and and there's lots and lots of folks out there that just don't like to negotiate. And wow, psychologically rich, that would work so much to the advantage of people who are going to assume that fear. They'll read it in your body language. They'll hear it in your voice and perhaps from the words that you use. And then they know how to spin that so that they give themselves maximum leverage. That's the kind of thing that if people take nothing else away from American Road Trip Talk, and this episode in particular, please understand that you're more powerful than you know, at least as I see it, more powerful than you know if you're willing to do your homework on the information superhighway. It's right there for you if you simply sit down and if you know how to look, you can wipe away a lot of that unfair advantage that comes with this alluring idea of a no-dicker sticker, which on the surface sounds like a relief to many people. Right, absolutely, and you got to remember too, Gary, that you know I, I want you want the dealer to be profitable because you want him to be there to be able to give you good service because you know you know, the buying process takes however how long you want it to whether it's a day or two weeks or two or or two months, but then after you own the car, 
you know, you want good service, and service means you take care of your vehicle, and, and you want to feel comfortable taking the car back there, and you get a manufacturer's warranty that covers the car, whether it's three years, five years, or whatever. And, you you know, so, yeah, you want them to make a little profit, but you don't want them to just, you know, make make their whole month's profit on one deal. And when it comes to making the entire month's profit on one deal, so to speak, a lot of it, I suspect, has to do with the manufacturer's warranty itself. Now, Kia, in particular, is pretty proud of their warranty. It seems very comprehensive. Not everyone does that. I'll give you an example from my own car buying experience, Rich. I bought a car and the, the salesman, and they eventually, of course, they bring in the sales manager. Okay, here's the heavy hitter, and he is with whom I will right. deal. The right. idea there was, I'm going to, he told me, he said, I'm going to fight you hard on this. You need this warranty. And I said, I am going to take my chances. I'll buy the car Absolutely. at this price, but I'll let me worry about the repairs. Well, wouldn't you know, and this one was one that happened to work out in my favor. The warranty would have added considerably to the monthly payments on this car. And the way I worked it sure. around, I was able to just buy it with cash and credit, which really worked out for me. But when it came to an expensive item that I wound up going to a tire dealership to get this part replaced, it would not have been covered by the very warranty they wanted me to buy and fold that into the purchase of the car. I'd have to pay for this expensive repair anyway. So what did I do? I paid for the expensive repair and it was easier to do because I didn't have to pay all that extra money for the warranty. Right, right. And, you know, ask, trust me, they know how long that car is going to last. If they put a five-year warning on it, it's just like a refrigerator or, or, or anything. You, just, you know, it's like a light bulb. You don't know when something's going to go out. But they know, the manufacturers know, that they, that car is reliable for five years. And if something goes wrong, of course, in that five years, you take it back and boom, it's covered. Well, the extended warranty, you know, they take enough stuff 100 years or 100 thousand miles or five years or six years i think some even go seven now and you know it, i'm i'm a i'm a gambler and i'm a lot like what you just said i think that uh, i normally go i don't buy the extended warranties only because i i think that one i'm not going to keep the car that long i'm going to be I'm, I'm a car person i like different cars i like to drive one i don't fall in love with them but i do have an old car i fall in love with i've kept for years but the car I drive every day, I don't keep, you know, I, I'm going to keep them three or four years, and then I'm going to turn it into a, a different one. So uh, for the person who's going to keep their car, they say forever, and they, they, I, I can't see the difference in the in the monthly payment difference. You're talking 25 or $30 a month more for a warranty. I, do, I, I, I don't agree with it. That's That's good news. I'm glad to hear that, Rich. I wanted to turn to the styles of transactions while we have time there. You know, during COVID, their car sales were really kind of a funky monkey because used car sales were skyrocketing. You didn't even bother looking at new. You looked at you figure, well, I'll get something that's three, four, five years old. And people right. had sticker shock in a way that they did not before. In today's car buying landscape, used car sales, new car sales, leasing, where is there some advantage for the consumer? What is the smart buy? Well, you know, Miko, I'm going to back up just a little bit what you said about about what happened in the last couple of years with COVID. 
and then they couldn't get the chips, and then, then they couldn't make the new cars, and then when they couldn't make the new cars, the used cars were so uh, much in demand, and then you couldn't find new or used cars. And you got to remember that used cars, uh, how how the inventory is is uh, accumulated from the dealers, usually by trades, and, and a customer comes in and trades or trades with one, two, or three year old car, and then they put that on the lot. And boom, you know that that's it. Just keeps that cycle going. Well, with COVID, then you know, the new cars where I couldn't make them, and and so that made a tremendous um, uh, pent up demand for used cars, and then it rose the prices sky high. And where you were you were talking about one and two year old cars were bringing more money than when they were new, mm. and that was just crazy. And uh, and and to, and to go on to just switch the topic just a little bit. Leasing is great for the guy, I think, uh, for who needs a tax write-off for his business. Uh, you can write off, you know, when you set the you can set the parameters up on the lease so many miles per year. And of course, the more miles per year, the higher the lease amount is per month. But that's it's great for the guy that that has a business and he can write that off as a, as a tax write-off. But the common guys for leasing, and if you look at the ads on TV, and if you could see the fine print, you'll see that they have a tremendous amount of down payment that's required to get that monthly payment. So that's where it's a little trickery there when you see a lease ad and you see such a low payment. And every time I see that on TV, I cringe because I'm thinking, oh, my gosh, so many people are drawn in on that. And then when they actually get to the dealership, it's like, oh, you need 4500 plus taxes and license and, and dealer fees to to, to achieve that monthly payment. Well, of course, most people don't have that kind of down payment. So then, then the next thing you know, the lease payment is four hundred and ninety dollars or whatever, and they're going, "Well, I can't afford that." So leasing to me is just uh, it's good for the it's good for the business guy, but for the common person, no. And I hope I answered your question. Yes, and I think you've answered it for a lot of people who have been wondering about that, whether there is any advantage to them personally. Rich, before we say goodbye, and I know the interview was brief, which just means that you can expect another invitation because we want to tap into your insights, your wisdom on another occasion. But you won awards with Mitsubishi. Go ahead and toot your own horn. You won awards for excellence. What did it take to get to that high place? Well, well, thank you, Gary. Yeah, I when I actually purchased my own store, uh, we won what was called the President's Award, and the President's Award was uh, uh, you achieve that award by customer satisfaction scores. Uh, and of course, you had sales uh, achievements that you had to meet, like or, or they were plateaus. You had to sell so many cars. And then your customers had to send in their their uh, a customer satisfaction uh, surveys, and your the scores had to be such and such um, uh, had to be so high. I have I ranked in the top two percent of all Mitsubishi dealers in the country, and I the store that I purchased was a low volume, poor producing store, and after a year and a half after uh, taking it over, we had sales up, uh, service was great, uh, service department was one of my uh, biggest goals to get turned around because they had, re- had, they had poor technicians, they, the customers were never satisfied, 
Uh, the people had to bring their car back two and three times to get it done right. And anyway, make a long story short, we got that all corrected. And we were in the top 2% of all Mitsubishi stores in the country. And uh, it was quite a feat for me. Uh, I was uh, my, had good people. And uh, that was the most important thing. I was lucky because the dealership that I was associated with, that I was a partner in, uh, I was lucky to bring five, five key people with me. And they moved and came with me and took my adventure by buying them the uh, Mitsubishi store. And then eventually I got Subaru. And uh, mm. it was uh, a, a, great, a great time. I enjoyed going to work. Uh, we had just a, uh, it was a family, I consider it a family atmosphere. We were no pressure. I would not let That's my salespeople sell, sell uh, folks through a, like, like a traditional car dealership. We put yes. uh, tables on the showroom floor, and we made it very, Rich. very um, easy. And you did it very, very on. successfully, brilliantly, I would say. Rich Lubin, thank you so much, sir, for joining us today. We will do this again. Thanks for being our guest. You bet, Gary. Thank you. Thanks for tuning in to American Road Trip Talk. Check out our website, AmericanRoadMagazine.com, to preview the current issue. Until next time, dream well and drive safely on the American Road. Hi, everybody. This is Anson Williams from Happy Days, and I'm so excited to tell you about American Road. It is the best car travel magazine in the world. They have the most fantastic adventures detailed in each magazine, with all your itinerary, we could just jump in the car with your family and have the most fabulous adventures you've ever had in your life. Please, get a copy of American Road and start your own adventure.